I'm going to read from Luke 23, verses 44 to 49, and then I'm going to pray. So, and it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this, uh, that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who have followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Let's pray. Father, what a spectacle this was, um, that the king of, of heaven, God, the, the son of God, um, perfect in every way, is hanging up there on a cross. Um, God, and we put you there. God, we... Uh, have served and worshiped things um, instead of you. And so, God, like we prayed before, God, we are justly condemned. God, but you didn't just sit around. God, it says that it was your will to crush your son. God, you did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but you emptied yourself and you took the form of a servant. God, you weren't just an innocent. You weren't just a bystander. God, you said, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down that I may raise it up again. And because of that, God, because you have raised, God, through faith in you, God, we can be raised to a newness of life, that, God, we could be with you forever. And so, God, I pray that as we hear the words preached today, um, as we think about all the songs that we've sung, that, God, we will remember that, God, you laid your life down so that you can raise it back up. And so that you could give us life. And so, God, um, I thank you for that. Um, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Good Friday service. I'm Sully, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Holy Trinity Church. And I know that for some of you, this might be your first time at a Good Friday service. So as we are entering into this time of lament, as John mentioned at the beginning of the service, I just want to be clear again. Why have we gathered on a Friday night to worship together? What is the purpose of the service tonight? Well, I'd say there's two of them. We're here tonight to lament our sin and to love our Savior. Earlier this evening, we read this poem by Christina Rossetti. It's called Good Friday. And in a way, it's a poem, it's a prayer as well. And it's been my prayer for us this week, that this evening, as we gather together and as we prepare for Easter and the jubilation of the resurrection, that we would also enter into the lamentation of the crucifixion. The prayer, uh, or the poem, it really is this lament over the fact that our, our heart is sometimes hardened. I don't know about you, but over the last year or so, with war breaking out in Europe, the pandemic, uh, the injustice the economic uh, turmoil that's been going on, I felt like my heart has calloused over a little bit, protecting itself from the onslaught of what seems like never-ending bad news. In the beginning of the poem, it, it really asks this question, am I a rock at the foot of the cross, 
counting the drops of blood from Christ to the ground, unable to weep. Christina Rossetti, she ends her poem with this prayer, this request of God. She says, See thy sheep, true shepherd of the flock. Greater than Moses, turn and look once more and smite a rock. What she's requesting is that God, the good shepherd, would go after her and, and wake her heart up, revive it once again to weep over what she should weep and to love what she should love. Good Friday, it's a kind of a, an electric shock to the system, trying to bring us back to life, to make us lament our sin and to love our Savior. I think most of us this evening could fall into one of two categories. There's probably a few of us this evening who probably need uh, the sobering reality of the cross to be, be a reminder for us. Uh, we need to maybe be woken up out of our apathy or our indifference to the brokenness of the world around us. But I think there's another group of us who probably feel not like we need to be made aware of the brokenness of the world. Rather, we feel like it's everywhere. That it seems as if we just are constantly surrounded by darkness and brokenness. So for some of us, we need the sobering reality to be awakened, uh, made aware of the brokenness around us, and others of us need reminding that it's not just brokenness that's around us, that there's something else as well. This evening, my request to you, uh, whether you fall in the first category or the second category, my invitation really is an invitation to come and lament. I think lament actually will do all of us some good this evening. For those of us who need reminding of the brokenness around us, lament is a way of remembering brokenness, to not become indifferent to it. For others of us, lament is this way of crying out and saying that we believe that something is better out there, that, that the brokenness is not all that there is. Lament, in some ways, is, a, is an act of faith. It's an expression of wanting something to change. It's, it's this cry for something to be different. So lament actually keeps us from growing comfortable with the brokenness and darkness around us. There's another poem that I was reading this past week by Emily Dickinson. And she laments the fact that we so easily become too comfortable, too accustomed to the darkness. She writes this poem about stepping out from the light of a home and into the midnight air and kind of groping around, trying to find her balance, trying to find her way forward, keeping her balance. And yet she goes on in the poem to say, after a little bit, something changes. Our eyes adjust, and we find our way, and we just keep walking into the midnight darkness. Good Friday, and this season of lamenting, this evening of lamenting, it's really a way for us to say, we aren't going to become content with darkness. Uh, our lament is a form of faith to say that we are, not, we are not okay with darkness and brokenness. So tonight, I really want to invite you to lament three specific things. But before I mention those three things, I just want to acknowledge that it's, it's a work of God to bring our hearts back to life, to awaken us. And so I want to ask his help again this evening through prayer. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Though we walk through the shadow of death, we shall fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Lord, you are the shepherd and savior of our souls. And because of your protection, because of your provision of the cross, we can safely lament. That, Lord, our cry for help, our cry for something to, be, to change, Lord, it's not done in vain. 
because we believe that because of the cross, change is possible, that light is breaking in, that darkness is not all that is there. So Father, tonight, though we lament, would you bring our lament to a place of adoration and fullness of joy in our Savior, Jesus Christ? It's in his name we pray. Amen. There's a saying, don't ask a fish about water, because they don't know any different. They're so surrounded and immersed in water that they wouldn't even be able to describe it very well to you. I think it's the same for us, that we are so immersed in sometimes darkness all around us that we become accustomed or we don't even actually acknowledge it anymore. This evening, we've been reading the crucifixion account from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 23. And in verse 44, Luke is describing the scene of the crucifixion. If you have a Bible near you, I just want to read a verse or two verses from the account that we read a few moments ago. Verse 44 reads, It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. Amongst the astounding and terrible things that happened in chapter 23, there's this little detail about the sun's light failing, and for some of us, we might just read past that, not really giving much attention to it. There seems to be so many other horrible things taking place, and yet it is an astounding thing that the sun's light failed for three hours in the middle of the day. I think Luke is giving us this detail about darkness, not because it sets this ominous scene, but rather because there's rich and deep theological implications associated to darkness. So pausing this evening for a few moments and reflecting on darkness is actually pretty helpful for us. I believe that if we go back and we look at darkness, what I'd like us to do this evening is I'm going to take you back to different places in Scripture where darkness appears. And we're going to ask the question, what, what is associated with darkness in the Bible? And what I believe what will become clear for us is not just a better understanding of what takes place on the cross, but rather we'll have a better understanding of how we ought to respond to the cross. More specifically, I believe that as we see what darkness is associated with, we will have a clarity to what it is we are here to lament this evening. So three things, as I said, to call you to lament. The first one uh, begins right in the beginning of, of the, the Bible. We don't have to look very far for darkness in Scripture. The second verse, uh, where it mentions darkness, the Bible begins this way. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Before God separated light from darkness, before he, he separated the waters from the land, before he put birds in the air and fish in the sea, there was darkness, a void, formlessness. And God spoke, and he created, and he ordered. Before darkness was ever associated with disease and depression and death, darkness was associated with disorder and chaos. And yet God he spoke the world into existence, and he didn't just create in the Genesis narrative. He, he actually orders things. He fills the, the earth with good things. In the creation narrative, we come across a God who places, brings order out of chaos. And darkness is associated with disorder. It's amazing what things will set my children off screaming and yelling. At our home, we have these toys. They're called magnetiles. And they're little tiles that you can build different things with. And over and over again, my son and I will build a spaceship together. And we make the same spaceship every day. 
And every once in a while, I'll feel like, well, let's, let's maybe design it a little bit different, and maybe we'll, we'll create it slightly different this time, and I'll place the magnetile in a little bit of a different place. And my son, man, he gets so upset. He, it's like I spit in his food or something. He begins to scream and yell until I put that magnetile back in its right place. I think we could learn a thing or two from children about lamenting disorder, things not being as they ought to be. Tonight, as we come and we reflect on the cross and we ask ourselves, what are we actually lamenting this evening? Well, we're lamenting the disorder of the world, things not being as they ought to be. But we're not here just to lament the brokenness outside, things that happen beyond us or in other parts of the world. Rather, we're also here to lament the disorder of our own hearts. The Church Father Augustine, he, he actually describes the human condition as having disordered love, He says that we don't just love the wrong things, but we love the right things in the wrong order. We love ourselves more than we love others. We love comfort more than service. We love the affirmation of others more than the affirmation of the Lord. And so he describes the human condition as one of having our hearts and our loves disordered. And the Christian life, growing up as a Christian, means growing more and more discontent with disordered love. So when we think about the cross and the darkness that overshadowed it, what we are beginning to see is something is out of order. That the created order, the the created world, the world that was placed and shaped by the hand of God, by the voice of God, looked down upon what was happening on the cross and responded in darkness because something was out of order, that the Son of God, the creator of the world, should have been received and worshipped and loved, and yet he was rejected, abused, and ridiculed. Tonight we lament the disordered love of our hearts. The next place that we come across darkness in Scripture is actually Exodus chapter 10. In Exodus chapter 10, Moses has been called to go free God's people from slavery in Egypt. Well, Pharaoh, his heart was hardened, and so he didn't obey the word of God. He didn't let the people go, and so God sent ten plagues against Egypt and Pharaoh. And the ninth plague was the plague of darkness. Darkness that was so thick, so dark, that Exodus 10 verse 21 says that darkness over Egypt could be felt. You could slice it with a knife. It was so heavy. Well, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he continued to refuse and disobey God and not let the people go. So we move from darkness associated with disorder in Genesis to darkness in Exodus being associated with disobedience. The ten plagues against Pharaoh, they weren't random plagues, but rather they were chosen to show the foolishness of Pharaoh and the so-called gods that he worshipped. Pharaoh, he could not command the winds when to blow. Pharaoh could not protect the Nile from turning into blood. Pharaoh could not tell the frogs to come or the locusts to go. He could not tell the sun to stop shining, and yet God could. Each of these plagues actually just continued to display that there is no one nor anything that is deserving our, our devotion and our obedience more than God himself. So when we come to the cross, just covered in darkness, we might ask the question, what? What has gone wrong? Who's been disobedient? Kind of like a a light on your dashboard of your car, letting you know that something has gone wrong. Well, 
the darkness of the crucifixion tells us someone has done something wrong, and it's not Christ. Rather, Christ is fulfilling the obedience on the cross that we never did, and so what we actually come tonight to lament is our disobedience, our rejection of the Creator, the, the Son of God. We come to lament the fact that we have disobeyed the one who loves us, who cares for us, who ordered the world so that we might enjoy it. We have rejected his word. I know, though, for some of us, the word disobedience, it, it rubs us the wrong way. If you maybe you're from an honor-shame culture, the word disobedience, it's wrapped up with a lot of shame. And so let me be really clear that tonight, it's not about shame. I'm not here tonight to conjure up within you this overwhelming sense of shame to make you feel terrible. No, that's not what we're here to do tonight. And I think there's a really big difference between shame and lament. Shame is meant to tear down and break down. Lament is actually, I think, something that's called a, calling us to move and to change. Lament is something that moves us, whereas shame, I think, is more static. When we gather tonight, we are lamenting, we are crying out that we are not satisfied with disobedience, that we are not okay with the fact that we have rejected our Savior and Lord. And so tonight we come to lament not just the disorder of the world, but also the disobedience and rebellion we have had, that we have rejected the King of Kings. But there's a third thing that we come across when we look at darkness in Scripture. It's an intensification, actually. We go from darkness associated with disorder to darkness associated with disobedience, but finally we come across darkness associated with death. You see, in Scripture, when you scan all of the different times that darkness is found, when you come across the prophetic literature, the prophets associate darkness with the judgment of God, the coming day of the Lord, the day when God would come and judge injustice and wickedness and evil. The prophet Zephaniah, he describes this day this way. He says, it's a day of wrath. That day is a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and thick darkness. The prophet Joel, he writes, the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. The prophets are clear, God does not, will not allow injustice to go unpunished. That he is coming and he, his full weight of his wrath and his glory will be displayed when he judges sin. Scripture is also clear that the penalty for our sin is death. And so when we notice the disorder of the world and the disobedience of the heart, we realize that this leads to death. That the cost of disobeying and rejecting the King of Kings it means that our very breath should be taken from us. The one who gave us breath takes it. Yes, we all love the resurrection. We all love Easter and the joy that comes from that when breath enters back into the lungs of our Savior. But our joy will be muted if we don't understand that the death Christ experienced was the death that we all deserve. That the punishment that we deserve is the punishment that Christ took for us on the cross. Tonight we come and we lament the very fact that Christ died because of our disobedience and our rebellion. A life lesson that I think has become clear for me over the last year or so is that sometimes joy and sorrow come together. Uh, that sometimes that as I, we experience greater joy, we also experience greater sorrow. And I think that's never more true than when we come to the cross. 
where we come to see the depth of our brokenness, the death that we have unleashed into the world, and yet at the same time we see the holiness and the love of our God for us. So tonight, on this Good Friday, I invite you to lament disorder and disobedience and death. And I invite you to contemplate and think about a few questions. First off, what, what is maybe disordered in your life right now? What areas of your life have you not brought under the full obedience of the Lord? Or what's leading you down the path of death rather than the path of life? And let's come this evening and let's repent of those things in our life. Let's turn and to turn to something better, our Savior and our Lord. Where I want to finish this evening is with one other thing we learn when we actually study and look at darkness in Scripture. What we come to see when we observe all the different times that darkness is referred to in Scripture, we come to see that there is not a single dark day in Scripture that is beyond the good purposes of our God. That at the creation, when God spoke the world into existence out of darkness, he displayed his creativity and his goodness. That out of the darkness of the plagues, God brought liberation and freedom for his people. That the darkness of the coming day of his judgment is, will be a day of God displaying his holiness and his righteousness. And when we come to the crucifixion scene, the darkest of days in Scripture, what we see is, is not death prevailing. What we see is not our disorder and disobedience having the final word. Rather, what we see is God displaying his full glory, his full power and holiness and strength. And so if it is true that the day of crucifixion is not a day beyond the good purposes of God, then I can remind you tonight that your darkest days are not beyond the good purposes of God. And so yes, tonight let's lament. Let's lament the darkness of our heart and the darkness of the world around us. But also may we find that our joy increases and our love for our Savior grows. When we come to the cross, yes, Joy and sorrow are mingled together because it is sorrowful that we have rejected the King of Kings, and yet it is a great joy to know that our God loves us, and that he has paid the full penalty, that he has brought freedom for us. He has brought life through death. Would you pray with me? Our gracious and loving Father, Father, we come and we lament, we cry out, knowing that Father, we have unleashed death into the world through our disobedience. Father, we have forgotten that your word is good, that, Father, obedience is actually freedom and joy and life. And so, Father, as we come to reflect on the power of the cross, would you remind us that it is a power to break sin, it is a power to to vanquish darkness, that the power of the cross brings life. So, Father, We come, yes, with heavy hearts, but we come and we know that through the power of the cross, you will make our hearts alive again. Lord, awaken us again to the lamenting our our sin, but help us, O Father, to love, to love our Savior. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.